taking that startup freak off my ass for the 10th. I want Taz. I want Taz. I want Taz. I want Taz.
And as far as your rat, <laughs> they're a dime a dozen on 42nd Street, so take the powder, honey. Hey, Douglas, and most of all, I don't need to be a part of this because this is dead, brother. I did the heist, you're fixing to pay the price, and I'm gonna tell everybody in my hometown the price right now. And I wouldn't pick a better building than Brooklyn born, Brooklyn bred, January 10th, duty in charge, you and me for the belt, brother! You and me! Shut that music! One more thing! One more thing, Douglas! Expect no mercy because I'll pass the next ECW World Heavyweight Champion! Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chao Bello Veracruz. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. says I just whipped your ass. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Woo! Look at this. To the big Vedoites, the Hamenites, Israelites, the Demites, the Repelites, the Leftites, the Leftites, the Rightites, all the ites in between, the Magnificent, the Seventy Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, Reflectionites, Hustleites, 
dolomite every eye in the eye eye sphere it is your friendly neighborhood professor chababa cruz yes the quick introduction because you know what i'm so giddy i'm so giddy for 2020 dress because we're doing an episodic we're doing an episodic on my favorite organization i'm a mark for them i shield for them all the time no matter what ECW, ECW, ECW. but either here nor there but Holy shit, see, it's so extreme, it made my cohorting crime sneeze his ass off. But before that, I gotta introduce the sneezer. Hopefully it's not a COVID sneeze, hopefully it's not an RSB sneeze, hopefully it's just the winter break sneeze. It is your friend and mine, the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, Mr. Dum Dum doing it its own. Tommy Wonder, God bless you and good this time, my friend. Thank you. You're welcome. What? That's a great. That's that was a great. Uh, ret- uh, you know, retort back. I'm giving you the greatest introduction. Then you're just like, ooh, dude. I'm. I just told you what happened before we. <laughs> Reflection night. Please forgive. Please forgive Tom, Tommy Wonder right now because you know he was smoking the good Kush. He was smoking <laughs> the good stuff made from the Mother Earth. That you know it sold to the grains. Then I tell him to record a little bit earlier because then now, you know, the, the, the wheels are turning in his head and now he looks high. But you know what? It's perfect. It is perfect reflection because, again, what we're doing here for, you know, the episodics, episode 162 or 163, Big Ray will correct me if I'm wrong on that, but it doesn't matter. We are doing an episodic of my organization, ECW, from January 2nd, 1999. So, TW, okay, you, have you recovered yet? I am, I am. Okay, so I'll ask you this again. Take two, we're going to do it live, like Bill O'Reilly. How is the weekend? How are you doing? You know, I know you're recovering from the cush, but now you, you caught your faculties? So, last Thursday, I was feeling like I was dying, so I, I, I cut out on Thursday thirsty thursday didn't do it mm-hmm. friday i went to the red wing game where they lost for the fourth straight game in a row for me after winning the first two they're gonna still make the playoffs no matter what no they're they're like 10 points out of the fucking playoffs but anyway believe in miracles saturday i booked myself to three different places and then added a fourth without even realizing they were all on the same day i made it to two of them mm-hmm. um had a good time though had a good time nice chill time uh, Sunday slept most of the day and then got my kids and I was going to go watch the Lions playoff game, but Seattle ruined it. So they weren't going to make the playoffs. So none of my buddies went out to watch it, but it would end up being probably my favorite Lions game I've ever watched. It was, it was a complete game. They did some oh shit stuff in there. And I was just like, wow, I think the Giants still made the playoffs, right? Yeah, they made the playoffs. They had, they, they had the tie, even if they would have next, lost. Next season, watch out for the Lions. I think they're going to make some oh, noise yeah. in their sure. division, and I think they're going to they're gonna make the playoffs next year. I, I like the Lions. I wish they would have made it to the playoffs, not the Seattle Seahawks. That's just my humble opinion. But a lot of people would agree with the professor. And, of course, you agree with me because, you know, you're a homer. But Detroit Lions, I'd rather see them you know on TV no, more than Seattle. You know they, they finished, I think, 8-2 and two after starting out, like, 2-6 and six or some shit. Uh, no one and six. Yeah, they started out one and six and finished eight and two. Got absolutely smoked by Carolina, or they would be in the playoffs. They lost to Seattle in like an absolute shootout, which was the tiebreaker. 
Um, they almost beat Philly in week one. You know, it's, it's, they had to get it together. So I think you know, they almost I, beat Buffalo on Thanksgiving, too. That was the game that, that really mattered to me. I was like, oh, if they beat right. Buffalo that Thanksgiving, they would have been in the playoffs. That's that's one of the two losses. Buffalo and uh, and Carolina were the two losses since they traded to Hawkinson to Minnesota. They beat Minnesota. They beat Chicago. They beat Green Bay. Both this, I don't even remember the Lions ever sweeping Green Bay, but they did it. And so I think for them to lose, I mean, for them to miss the playoffs but win that last game anyway, I think that did more for them than going and getting their asses whooped by San Francisco, which would have been a tough game for me because one of them, the very first game, one of my two favorite teams would have been going home right off the rip. So now I just look forward to the Niners wrecking uh, – Seattle, and then uh, going from there. But it was – I almost felt bad for Rodgers because he, he looked like a guy walking out that field. He looked like a guy that was not – knew he wasn't going to be back there. And yet he said he still might come back, but he's going to take some time. What a weird game. It was a weird the, game. The old saying, father time is always undefeated. So with that being said – Let's get into what we do best here, TW, the nostalgia train, you know, going back episodic because we haven't done an episodic in such a long time. We haven't done one since 2022, so it's been a whole year, neither here nor there. But for episode 162 or 163, we're going to do ECW from January of 1999 from the madhouse of extreme, the Elks Lodge, Queens, New York City. TW, this place was a toilet. I've been there. I was there a couple of times for an ECW show. Has no air conditioning. Um, what you're not guaranteed a seat, even if you bought a ticket, because you bum you got to bum rush yourself to get into the building. So you know you get you have these like general. Yeah. Yeah. So That's you, you, you have buy the balcony ticket or whatever you buy whatever tickets farther away. Dude, you know what? I, when I told my brother and I told my father. We got to get there early enough. We got to be online early enough. And then when they open the doors, just rush, bum rush in there and we'll get some good seats. It's pra- it's really good when they tell you to go in if you're on time. If you're late, then you're fucked. You're shit out of luck. But neither here nor there. But I just want to say Elks Lodge for any reflection on the East Coast, New Jersey, New York, Philadelphia. And you know the great thing about the Elks Lodge, TW, on more of a personal scale? Because I know you don't, you don't know this. You, you didn't see this on the cock because it was so edited out. But being there myself at the Elks Lodge, we we Queens, well, not we Queens New Yorkers, but New Yorkers. You mean you Queens like Queens? No, no, not not Queens. We're Kings, but neither here nor there. I knew you. Were, I knew where you was going with that. But us New Yorkers, you do. I don't know if you remember this. I think I told you this on a previous ECW episode. But you know, I need to clarify for the magnificent seven, the elite eight, or like you say, the twelve that listen so diligently. Maybe we add another one. Maybe it'll be thirteen. Maybe we add two. It'll be fourteen. But neither here nor there. But there was always a war with the fans of ECW between New York and Philadelphia. ECW reader is like the Sportatorium. It's like the Omni in Atlanta. It is central headquarters for your particular organization. Everybody knows where they have to go. You know, that's the Mecca. That is your temple. That is your shrine. And for ECW purposes, we knew that it was in South Philadelphia, PA. But us New Yorkers, we don't take kindly to what it's supposed to be. We took the madhouse of extreme 
the Elks Lodge. Like I said, it was a toilet. We didn't like it. But in comparison to the ECW arena, which I've heard stories about that, and, you know, the only regret I ever had as a wrestling fan, I never went to South Philadelphia when ECW was, you know, in business to see an ECW show. I wish I would have done that. But, again, you know, we live with our regrets, TW. But the Elks Lodge was our ECW arena. And before the show starts, the chance of Philly sucks. Philly sucks dick. It was so beautiful. In Philly? We, no, no, in Queens. We, no, we, oh, this is oh, our yeah, chance. Right. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, okay. yeah these, <laughs> are, these are our chance, TW. So I just wanted to, like, you know, give the, the stories to the Reflectionites because I know some Reflectionites who are on the East Coast can relate to the professor. And TW, you know, doing what you did, you know, Border City Wrestling, you went through the, the Michigan, you know, the loop, if you will. You had a couple of indie organizations I'm sure that the crowds, wherever, you know, let's say Border City had their centralized arena or armory, whatever the case may be, those fans said, that's our hometown. No, no outsiders. This is a family unit. And that's the way we felt with the Outslash, just like the Philly fans feel with the ECW. What say you about that? That tr oh, not tribalism, but that like fandom just for your home. So funny you would bring this up because yesterday, Yesterday, Scott Demore had a post from that arena being torn down in LaSalle, Ontario. And as you were describing the the two arenas here, I was remembering, like, you know, when I wrestled, I don't I don't remember if there was fucking heat. I don't remember if there was air conditioning. Mm -hmm. I think I was so stoked to being a wrestler that I didn't care, right? And, okay. you know, if it was hot, I'm probably, like, back then, like, LaSalle Arena, I was in a singlet like Mr. Perfect with knee pads, boots, and elbow pads, and my mullet, and cane of the ring and a leather jacket, right? So I wouldn't have been hot anyway. It would have been like sitting around in your damn underwear wearing a singlet. So, but that arena got torn down, and what I wrote on Irish Bobby Clancy, that's who shared the memory from Scott because Scott must have tagged a bunch of us in it, you know, when they tore it down years ago and mm -hmm. Scott being never one to miss a, a chance to drop a name like most of us. We're losing TW a little bit here. Reflection ice. Excuse me. But if you can hear me, TW that owns it. Huh? If you can hear me, what? you kind of broke up a little bit. So just I didn't hear the what you was talking about. All right, so I'm gonna start over. Just the BCW Scott Demore must have tagged us all in it when they tore it down. And yesterday was the anniversary of that. And Irish Bobby Clancy shared it. And Scott never won to not name drop, much like all of us do when we can. I don't know if you know this, but there's only one match by The Rock that isn't owned by WWE, and it was an indie show where Scott Demore wrestled The Rock. In BCW, mm -hmm. uh, and D'Lo was there, and Mark Henry came just because he wanted to go to an indie show because he'd also never been to an indie show. And it was when Edge uh, first got there, so I was hanging out with Edge. Rhino was there, Christian was there. Christian hadn't got signed yet, but The Rock was there with D'Lo, and it was Demore versus The Rock. And Demore tries to sell it to uh, Vince McMahon all the time because it's the only match The Rock's ever done that wasn't in WWF, other than mm. Memphis. But I think Vince owns the Memphis shit too, like he does uh, 
USWA. Uh, I think he yeah. owns it, or Jerry Jerry Law owns it, so he he keeps. But he has access himself. to it, right? So he, it's it's the only match of him in Canada that's not for WWE. And Scott owns some territory up in Nova Scotia that Vince wants because it used to like Pretty Boy Floyd Creechman, Eddie Creechman, whatever shit like that. Scott owns a lot of that stuff. So, anyways, uh, but I wrote on Bobby's thing. I said, you know what? I said, all good things come to an end, but the memories we made there will live forever, you know, and, and that's how mm-hmm. it is. No matter how shitty that building is, it, whether ECW Arena or the Brooklyn, what's it called, Hammerstein? No, the Elks Lodge in Queens. Elks Lodge. Hammerstein is a good one. That's Monday Night Raw, right? It's a it's a refined toilet, but it's still a toilet. But that's the one that Monday Night Raw used to be in, the Manhattan yeah, Center. Easy, easy, yeah, in the Manhattan yeah, I like that place. That's what Al Snow's school looked like when I first started. It was a two-story mm-hmm. um, school, but the the floor in the middle was gutted out because of the wrestling ring. But the upstairs was two dorms, and then the mm-hmm. downstairs was the arena, uh, the kitchen, the kick-it place and all that. But it was it's one of my all-time favorite places, and, and that's still there. But he ended up moving to another building for his school. But either that or there, I just – I think as a fan, yeah. For one, the, the, the experience of a wrestling show as a fan is – night and day different than being a wrestler. And I don't mean the roles. I mean, the wrestler's there just shooting the shit until he gets to wrestle. Like, he can't wait to wrestle. He might watch other matches. He might bullshit with the boys in the back. They might roll dice, whatever, just to keep busy, take a nap, mm-hmm. like I was just doing 20 minutes ago. Uh, and then they wrestle, and then they fucking throw some suds back and leave. Whereas a fan, you probably have a match that you're looking forward to, and then – the fucking midgets come out and you're like, all right, man, take it home, take it home. You know what I mean? Like you're you're constantly antsy as a fan, but every now and again, when you're sitting through something waiting because you want to see Taz, you see some other match. You're like, holy shit! Like you see Tajiri versus uh, the guy that Pablo looked like Pablo Marquez. That we'll talk about that in yeah. a minute. But you see that and go, holy shit! This match was great. Like you know, you like you didn't see it coming because you were such a hurry, but. If it's also hot on top of it, then it's even more miserable waiting to see Taz and waiting to see mm-hmm. RVD or whoever you came to see. So the best shows, I think, are when you go there to see the whole show, you know, mm-hmm. the whole effing show. And I don't mean RVD. I mean the actual show. Um, but, yeah, I just as you were saying, I'm thinking, did LaSalle have air conditioning? Because I would I would think they didn't. The fact that they tore it down five years ago, it was an ice rink. So it's probably cold. I'll, I'll- Right, I'll say this for the Elks Lodge, and then you can talk about the LaSalle all you want, but if this episode was around December. It was, like, taped in December. It aired in January. But since, like I said, it's a toilet with no air conditioning, you know, it's wintertime. So, you, you know, you was proud to have the heat in January, but that building sucked in July. That building sucked in August during the heat wave because if it was 90 outside, inside felt like 120 degrees. So you know that the wrestlers were sweating their balls off during the summer at the Elks Lodge, you know. And I think Taz even said, yeah, we were fighting in there. You know, it felt like it was 110, 120 degrees. So, yeah, I don't know about LaSalle with the heat wave. You know what? And I just thought felt- about something. In the summer, we wrestled outside of the arena, so they didn't have heat or air conditioning. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. And so I wrestled at the Flint IMA Sports Arena. It's mm-hmm. a minor league hockey arena. It's like not like I don't know what your small arenas would be, but like not MSG, but that building that's connected to MSG that's smaller, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like 
wherever the Philadelphia Phantoms play versus unless they play in the same building as the Flyers. But no, it's the it's the theater in Madison Square Garden. It's smaller. It fits like three thousand people. Right, and this this is probably five to eight thousand. Right, mm-hmm. and we had fucking five to eight people there. So <laughs> usually when you're wrestling in an ice rink, a they fucking melt the ice down, or b they put like I don't know if you remember remember the Celtics versus the Lakers in like '86, the NBA mm-hmm. Finals, and they had to postpone the game for the uh, Oilers and the Bruins because when they took the boards off of the ice from the Celtics and the Lakers playing earlier, it turned it into steam. So by the second period, the entire Boston Garden, you couldn't see it. And it was because they played basketball in the morning and then hockey at night. So so that's what we had in the IMA Sports Arena. The Flint Generals probably play there. That's a basketball team. Or Flint Tropics. Flint Generals is a hockey team. Anyway, Uh I remember coming to the ring. I also did this in Grand Rapids at an armory. And the crowd's fucking silent. It's fucking dead as fuck. I wrestled this guy named Ronnie Vegas. He was the NWA World Light Heavyweight Champion. I was number four ranked in the world, personally illustrated, for that belt after I lost mm-hmm. to him. But I wrestled him and I in a sports ring, and I came out, and the crowd just sitting on their hands. And I'm like, you know, and that's not a town. Flint's a good hour away from here, hour and a half, so it wasn't like a regular town for us. So when mm-hmm. I wrestled up there, they didn't know who I was, but I was a heel. I came out, and I'm like, hey, man. You guys pay the heat bill in this town or what? And then the place just erupted because everyone's like hugging each other. It's so damn cold. Normally, if you're at like a Knicks game, they don't have the heat on. They have the air on in December because there's 20,000 people there. And if you put the heat on, it's going to be a bunch of BO going down. So they put either air on or nothing because the heat generated from the, the mass of people. It's not that it's cold. Enough. Right. Yeah, it's enough. So, this place didn't get the memo that it was nine people there, and it, it was it was probably a couple hundred, but mm-hmm. dude, so cold. And then I wrestled, and I just kept doing spots just so I would warm up from running, you know. And mm-hmm. but heat, I've wrestled at it shows outdoors that it mm-hmm. got so hot in between matches they hosed the mat down because if you were taking bumps in the canvas, those canvases were white or like beige. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so they got hot as fuck from the sun, and you'd bump on it and burn yourself because it was so hot. So they had to take hoses, and we're wet. We're wrestling in a wet ring. That, by the way, they'd hose it between the matches, and by the time you came out for introductions and everything, it'd be almost dry. No, almost dry because it's so hot. No, well, you know the the stories from a fan's point of view and a wrestler's point of view, but it what's in common reflectionites is it's an experience for the wrestler and then it's experience for the fans. Even though I didn't like the Elks Lodge because, like I said, it's a toilet with no air conditioning, the people were there, we were Boy. rabid, and we were ready for our ECW show. And, and like I said, this was taped on January 2nd, 1999. But again, like I said, this probably was uh, – this happened in December of 1998. You know how it does, TW. You know, they they film things for a couple of weeks later. but. This was actually special for another reason for the East Coast fans, T.W., if you didn't catch it. Uh, our man, the god of ECW, Joey Styles, announced that this particular episode would be broadcast for MSG Network. And the crowd popped. And I'm going to explain to you, T.W., why the crowd popped for MSG Network. 
Because, funny enough, TW, I don't know if you're, again, you didn't watch ECW, but I'm just going to give you the experiences of an ECW fan from the East Coast who had the MSG Network. I caught this, I, you know, again, I found ECW by accident in 1995. In the toilet? No, it wasn't in the toilet, but I'm just going to say this. I was, you know, channel surfing, and then I put it on MSG Network, and I remember this vividly because it was like Sunday, either 10 or 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday, and lo and behold, I was watching, you know, Cactus Jack and the Pitbulls and Tommy Dreamer against Raven's Nest. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and after that, no, because it was like, I saw Cactus Jack, I was like, oh, shit, Johnny you Polo. know. Yeah, it was like all this stuff, it was like, oh, shit, and then again, you had to be committed to ECW because it never st- it never stayed on the time slot that it was, you know, if you were right. used to Sunday at 11, it stopped like after three weeks. Then you found it on a Friday at 1 a.m. Then they stopped it after a couple of months. Then it went on Saturday at 2 a.m. You found it. You're like, yeah. Then again, ECW was the only show I can ever recall in history, T.W., that was watchdog by the FCC. And this shit was happening at one in the morning. I could never believe this. This is why we were so we were so amped when Joey Styles announced that it was coming back because this show got canceled at its 1 a.m. slot or 2 a.m. slot three times in a in in the times that I was watching it off of MSG. That's how that's how serious it was. That's how dedicated we was because we kept going back to MSG saying, "What the fuck is wrong with you guys? It's <laughs> one a.m. It's not doing anything." It, our competition was infomercials, and I guess we were beating the infomercials out the ass. Our ratings against infomercials were out off the roof. I guess you know what because aired here at one a.m., two a.m. in the morning here. What was that? You had some shit in New York with public access TV, and it was porn. Oh, the it, Robin Bird show? It was where Ron Jeremy got his start, and they would have him on there doing the dick helicopter. And and I, one day as a kid, I turn on public access on, like, the, the UHF channels, right, not the VHF, whichever mm-hmm. one's the, the, the 20, 40, 60. And I just see this fucking hedgehog-looking motherfucker swinging his dick around in a nude weather lady, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And found out when it's public access, it's – there's no FCC. Nothing, like they got to right? get caught. Like you, you can't do it. Like they're airing it live or whatever they're doing. And until they get caught, it's, there's no regulations. Cause it's public access, like freedom of speech, like here, yeah. do it. But it public would be access at porn, porn, you know, the, the 900 numbers and all the sex stuff. But ECW was treated like it was a porn site. I don't know why, but again, you know, I don't know who called and complained for 1am or 2am in the morning TW, but you know, but we had to fight back. And again, our show got canceled. Our show got canceled three times in my in, in what I remember from 95 to 2001 watching MSG. So, you know, we did miss a couple of weeks of episodes, but that was a bad couple of weeks. So you had to take trade. But I'm just giving you the, the logistics of why we were so happy when Joey Styles said it's coming back to MSG Network like it never left. You know, we could hate MSG Network, TW, one, you know, for a couple of weeks. But then once MSG Network saw the light and saw the truth, you know, like you say, the liberal media lies, we had to show them the truth. We had to show them, you know, we had to show them the light. And they came and saw the light and then it was back, you know, 
It was back to the good graces. So, T.W., uh, again, you saw porn at 1 a.m. on D Detroit Rock City, but we, we wanted 1 a.m. No, was, was from ECW. New York. Yeah, New York porn was the Robin Burr show. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah, that was it our, played it here. That was, they put it on the public access here. And did you watch it? Did you record it? I watched it once or twice, and someone must have said, oh, oh, and they never showed it again. Mm, who knows? I can get I, I, you one thing. Listen, I just mm -hmm. read about Ron Jeremy today that he's deemed dementia, and he's not going to stand trial for the, the rape accusations, which are probably bullshit anyway. And again, I believe women, but when you're on a set of a porn set and Ron Jeremy's doing you, it's kind of hard to believe someone – Got raped. Oh, like, the the, the rape was during appearances, not on a porn site. That, that's oh, where. There you go. That's Maybe. where it goes. But anyways, I can tell you this: uh, there's no chance in hell you're gonna send me to the dick, dick helicopter. Not because I'm not willing, but I'm not mm -hmm. packing enough heat to do it. So, <laughs> after a couple of uh, shots of Jägermeister, you'll probably try it with your girl tonight. Neither yeah, here nor there. So this dude had an arm swinging around. I don't have a baby's arm. That's what I'm telling you. Well, well, for all the the lady reflectionites, the professor has a tripod, so that's you know use your 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 imagination. But let's get back to the show, TW. We're celebrating that it's back on MSG Network. Oh my God, your what two you legs and the dude who's inside of you's two legs. That's a quad pod. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> remember me? Remember Minnie Me from Austin Powers? I do that. I can do this. But right. they need to hear. But you're all the way on the ground if you're leaning on the front leg. Can, can we get back to the show, please? Can we get back? So a little bit of decorum here. But anyway, this ECW episode is very important, TW, because they were hyping up the, the first pay-per-view of the calendar year, Guilty as Charged, from, from, I believe, Kissimmee, Florida. But And the main event was in shambles because Shane Douglas was supposed to defend the ECW title against Sabu, the suicidal, homicidal, genocidal Sabu. But there was a problem. Shane Douglas manipulated, cajoled, had a secret deal with the human suplex machine Taz to take out Sabu, which he did a couple of weeks prior at the ECW arena. Quote, kayfabe, TW, he broke Sabu's neck doing a Tazplex onto the table. So I'm just giving you some logistics and some credence and some backstory here. So the start of ECW Reflection Nights was Shane Douglas and Francine, the head cheerleader. They were celebrating that Sabu was taken out. Joey Styles was pissed at Shane Douglas because look what you did. You took our main event away from the ECW fans. This is going to cost us money. But Shane Douglas doesn't give two fucks, TW. He was going to call Taz out to celebrate, pay him off. He was going to either pay him either with dollars or with the head cheerleader, Francine. But Taz said, no, no, no. I don't want your money and I don't want your bitch, quote unquote. I want a shot at the ECW heavyweight title. Joey Styles got orgasmic. He was smiling because we got a main event again. Shane Douglas was crapping in his pants because he knew that the human suplex machine was coming. He duped Shane Douglas, but again, it was it was not like a, it was a dupe. T.W. Sabu was had some legitimate injuries. He was trying to mend some. He had a bad neck, a bad back. We already know about Sabu. He's already fighting injured. He's been fighting injured He's for injured the last right thirty now. years. Yes, he is. That's what it is. He's injured <laughs> right now as we speak. He has a bad hip right now. And he would just still dive off the table. If he chose to. But TW, what say you about the, the opening segment with Joey Styles, Shane Douglas, Francine, and Taz 
to build up that momentum for guilty as charged. I, I think Taz and and Shane never look better. They both probably are peak condition right here. I didn't really understand why Taz wore a leather jacket to go to the ring indoors in a fucking well, you said it was January, so maybe it wasn't so cold in there or hot in there. Uh Shane looked like a million bucks. Uh a little bloated, you know, so maybe he looked a little better when he won that the Eastern Championship Wrestling Championship and then turned it into that. But since then, he got jacked, whatever. You know, he, uh, and again, Roy's no Roy. Who gives a shit? He took it serious. He wanted to look like a big star, and I think they both did. And, and you know, Taz is on the short side, right? But mm-hmm. leave it to Hook to make him look like a super heavyweight. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I think Shane was good on the mic. Taz, not so much. And I know when Taz first started, he didn't talk a lot. Like, you know, he didn't even finish his promo when he said, uh, beat me if you can, survive if I let you. He just said, survive, and drop the mic. So I thought his promo wasn't that great. He said, brother, way too many times. Um, but I well, thought... He was, he, I'm not defending it. He was trying... He, you know, he wants to give off the New York accent, the New York, you know, right. character right. for himself. So I like Francine. Uh, she actually, I think, is an unsung hero of the whole segment. Because he's he's healing on her, saying there's girls just like her on 82nd Street or whatever. And she's like yelling at Shane, like, this motherfucker's talking shit about me. Kick his ass. But Shane's like, no, 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 no. It's not, that was not part of the heist. It wasn't part of the heist. I just thought it was well. And it's funny because I just thought this yesterday. I, I saw, I don't know why. I really want to like Kenny Omega, but I saw a promo of his after he he must have beat Will Ospreay again to win that belt. And uh, just was such a corny, generic promo right and and for whatever reason i don't look at wwe and think five stars whenever i look at anything aew that's all that comes out of my mind is like five star man four like they like whatever right like it's subjective but i thought to myself this you cannot have a five-star match i don't care who it is you cannot have a five-star match if you don't have a good crowd if the crowd is not into your four-star match it ain't ever hitting five and I think that crowd with, with Shane and with Taz, the way they re- reacted to everything Taz said, mm-hmm. made it better. Because even though it wasn't that good, it it was to them. It was good enough. And why would he change? Why would he get better? He just kept doing what was working, and the crowd was in it. And like mm-hmm. even later on when Lance Storm did a promo, not the best, but the crowd was into every well, word. You know? Yeah. Well, that that is the beauty of the ECW Smart fans, TW. So I'll put the man, the twelfth man in football, yeah. or the ECW fans are. Yeah, yeah, you're right. ECW fans are the twelfth fan, the twelfth man, and part of the show. So they want, you know. Again, like I said, we had battles with Philadelphia on who was the best wrestling fans in the world, and of course, in ECW, we we took ownership of that. We wanted to be the best fans. That's why we said the Elks Lodge, fuck the ECW arena. We are the mecca even though it was a smaller venue, but neither here nor there, but you're right. Let's, let's focus on Taz here because again, Taz is working his way up. He was already the ECW television champion, TW. He made that belt mean something. It was prominent and all this stuff. But again, just like you say, like the intercontinental title for WWE, the workman's belt, but it's still a tier belt. You got to make it to the next tier. And that's the heavyweight title. And Paul Lee felt it. We all felt it. I don't know. The I guess the promo made made it maybe by your standards 
you might have not felt the reasoning that Taz was ready to get to that next tier oh, I, as the I, heavyweight champion. It was him elevating from FTW champ to TV champ to heavyweight champ. I knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just saying the actual pulling promo off itself. promo was very generic. No, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying, like, you know, he was working this gimmick, the human suplex machine. I'm going to take on all comers, you know, the, the ultimate fight man. He was taking a he called out people from the WWE, WCW, all that stuff. And again, this is why I get mad at Vince. You know, I, I, I like Vince McMahon for certain things, but then I hate Vince McMahon for other things. And I knew that when Taz went to the WWE, he was too small for Vince McMahon standards. You put an extra Z on him. He ain't shit. And then he went down and then, you know. You that was for copyright. Yeah, that was well, for- it, it was copyright, but we knew that the image was already gone. But in ECW purposes, we knew that Taz was destined, I guess. I, I guess that's the best word to use it. He was destined to be the man. He was destined to be the champion. And I would say this, TW, you know, he would win it a couple of weeks later at guilty as charge. And then I would think and, and then you have to think about it at the timing, right? Who were the heavyweight champions at, in 1999? Taz is the ECW champion. Hogan is the uh, WCW champion after Finger Poker Doom. And then you have Mankind and The Rock kind of like trading it off with the heavyweight title. So it was, you know, I, I guess with the run to the litter in terms of the, the uh, pillars, if you will, or the uh, the proximities of who is the best champ heavyweight champion, we would be third on that tier, TW. Agree, disagree, have a different take. Or it doesn't matter. You're the heavyweight champion for your organization. You're the man or the woman no matter what, no matter what organization you represent. Well, you know, even watching this, I have a hard time when I hear Shane Douglas say he's the best world champion in the sport. And it's like, you guys don't so leave. The, you don't so leave why? the tri-state area. You're not the world anything. Like you're fucking. You're lucky you're not called the tri-state champion. You should be. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, but but because mm-hmm. of magazines and magazines, like I think the internet has ruined this, whereas magazines helped it. Right. Mm-hmm. If you made it in a magazine and they called you a world champion, you were a world champion to me. Right. Like. Right. So. And at that point, for me, they just were what AWA and WCCW weren't anymore because they were gone. So they were the third. Like, you were used to having three world champions. And then the world championship mm-hmm. wrestling or world, world class championship wrestling, they didn't claim to be the world champion. They, they were America's champion or whatever, but they chased Ric Flair. So you really didn't think of it as a fourth world champion anyway. But when the USWA formed by merging world-class and AWA together, it was a world champion, right? But you don't mm-hmm. realize it at the time, they're wrestling in Memphis. They're not, they're not world anywhere, right? But because of the magazine, and the magazines did this all the time too, like the whole Intercontinental Tournament that never really happened, but the magazine said it did, so it did, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's how they would make these they, companies. They helped the illusion. They helped that illusion, helped the illusion to make it feel bigger. So ECW was a world champion. Knowing what I know now, I would have not called him a world champion then, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I call AEW, AEW world champion. They are. They they fuck. I don't call Impact. I don't consider Impact a world champion. I never considered Ring of Honor a world champion. Um, mm-hmm. Even if they did do stuff with New Japan, it was because they came here. 
You know what I mean? Like you didn't go there, and if you did, no, they, they did. They did. No, it would be your guy went there. Your promotion didn't. Well, you know what I mean? I, I, so I get you. It, it's it's to me, AEW. They might not have run all over the world, but their presentation is worldly, right? They're always mm-hmm. constantly bringing in people from everywhere: Mexico, England, Australia, um, uh, Japan, Japan, obviously, Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. So you, you you give the illusion that it is, and they're on TV prominently, not like fucking like Jeff Cavanaugh gives me shit all the time for not watching Impact. But I just found out the other day my DVR stopped recording SmackDown, Impact, and some other show. I'm like. What the fuck? It's only and dynamite. It's not recording dynamite. So I had to go back and reprogram them all to, to do it. And, mm-hmm. and but like you you just you never I know impact comes on every Thursday on fight or whatever the hell it's on or access or whatever the hell it's on on my sling TV. But it's not I don't know. I just I barely watch anything. I watched some AEW the other day after you, I you got, you got a preference. You got a preference, you got a system. Oh, because I don't consider NXT a world championship. And them fuckers will call them the NXT world champ or the New Day. Call themselves NXT world tag team champions. No, no, motherfucker. You're the Florida tag team champion. You ain't no world. But And and I don't mean it like to insult them. I just mean it like you're you're watering down the term if you don't leave your state. Don't call it a world championship if you don't. But, like I said, they were they had visions of grandeur. They they wanted to be worldwide at some point. It just never got there. But you can't yeah. blame them for for Not dressing right. the part so they could then walk the part. They talked the part. They just never got to walk it, and they tried. So I, it's not an insult. It's just whatever. But throughout history, well, I would still put considering in a world consi- champion. Considering TW Shane yeah. Douglas and Taz. Shane mm-hmm. Douglas put this put this organization on his back. Absolutely, he turned it from he turned it from Eastern Championship Wrestling to Extreme Championship Wrestling. So that's why we, I guess, because of the like you said, the magazines helped it, amplified it, and we as the ECW cult, like I am, I'm gonna say I'm a cult member. We amplified that he was a legitimate World Heavyweight Champion, and we made cre- we gave it credence, and we gave it, you know, that 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 extra oomph if you will, TW, that we said that this is on par with the WWE title. This was on par with the WCW title. We didn't have the history behind it, but we put enough noise, and because of our presentation, we made WWE with the attitude ever. We made WCW reality-based. So we took a little bit saying that, yeah, you took from us, so we're going to say that our belt means a lot more. I'm just giving you our our reasonings. And again, Taz is on that next level, on the come up, if you will, that he was going to become the ECW champion and become the man, the face of extreme championship wrestling. So, like I said, this is a build up to the guilty as charged pay per view uh, reflection. I so we're going to go through this card. It was like again, it's an hour show, and of course, TW loves hour shows because with commercials, it's condensed to like forty five minutes. So TW was a happy camper. I already know that. So. One of the matches, TW, for Guilty as Charged Pay-Per-View was going to be an international incident, if you will. Yoshihiro Tajiri against Super Crazy. Guilty as Charged would be the first legitimate major pay-per-view match between these guys. What we didn't know 
that this these two combatants, if you will, would actually oh you know would actually be be fighting until the end when ECW goes out of business because this was one of the I don't want to I I would say one of the greatest rivalries because these two respected each other they traded wins off of each other but the funny thing TW is the presentation of Tajiri how it the maturation of Tajiri to know that his look what worked in Japan he knew wouldn't work in the United States. He he looked very generic. He looked young. very he looked young like a teenager, like 18 years old. He knew because you I knew you I knew you was probably gonna say he this ain't to Jerry. This looks like a this looked like a doppelganger or something. He no, I knew he, him right away, but no, looked, but you know, but but you but to Jerry even knew to change his image. To Jerry knew to to not shave. To Jerry knew to be more, you know, crazy, more grown up, if you will, change his look, change his presentation to to I guess you could say to to convenience us, the ECW fan, the hardcore fan, the American fan. Peace. Not convenience. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you TW. That's why you are my man. Appease Ooh. the ECW fans. I wanted but, to off him, guys. I, I went right to the top. Shut the hell up. <laughs> but anyway, TW, what, what say you about this international incident between Tajiri and Super Crazy? You got to see Tajiri do his thing against Pablo Marquez. And, of course, you got to see Super Crazy do his thing against some other uh, Mexican jobber from the triple, triple A promotion. So I'm going to condense them, to because, again. That guy was a jobber? He, well, uh, he he did this thing in in Mexico, and of course, you know, Paul Heyman always you know brings these people in. He did a couple of appearances at the Elks Lodge in ECW, but he didn't win. So I'm just I just yeah, want to focus he on showed, Super Crazy. Uh, Tajiri putting him in the tarantula in the highlight mm-hmm. package to promote the uh, match. But Super Crazy is funny to me because when when he does his stuff, like he never had a mask, right? He wasn't one of the seven guys no. that unmasked in WCW. Mm-hmm. But wasn't he one of the dudes in Kayentai or or not Kayentai? That's Japanese. The lawnmower. Remember when they came to the yeah, ring. Yeah, he, he, he was. He was. He was. He was the Mexico in two thousand five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but he. I, I remember when he did the tope to the floor, and you look at his gear, and it's almost like Brutus the Barber Beefcake's gear. It's like the black tights, and then the mm-hmm. whites cut out, and then it's got like Shawn Michaels zebra print in it, and you're like. Did he, did, when he bought that, was he satisfied with his purchase? Because it looked generic, right? Like mm-hmm. the guy he's working is that guy who, to me, looks like uh, the the little mercenary trying to kill the peacemaker in the peacemaker show. The little dude that just, like, <laughs> you know, yeah that, yeah, that little Mexican dude. Yeah, he, he just can't die, and he's always eating uh, Pringles or something. He was, uh, punt- yeah, he was he was eating chips. He was eating a lot of chips. Yes, I remember that. Like hot hot Cheetos or some shit. But he was eating mm-hmm. them. But but I, super crazy. It's it, he was one of the guys. Like when he made it to WWE, it felt like every time you saw him, his head was bigger. His body stayed the same size, but his head mm-hmm. was bigger. Like we all do. I, I, I read this once. As we age, our nose and our ears never stop growing. That's why when you look at pictures of yourself younger and older, you might weigh the same, but your nose and your ears are bigger, and especially mm-hmm. depending on how many years in between. Uh, but he just—he was just different. And I, I don't want to say he was boring. And, and Tajiri, I really liked Tajiri when he was with, with Steve Regal. Uh, he was just funny. Wasn't but, he, was, was he with Cactus Jack, too? Mankind? 
He might have did some comedic uh, backstage stuff with everybody from Regal to, just, Cac- I, to Mick Foley really, and all I, that stuff. I really liked Tajiri, so I was I was happy to see him there. I didn't know that. The but you, but you see, popular. but you see the maturation of Tajiri oh, with yeah. the American. He understood to change his you know image and to read like you always say, read the crowd. So he read an American crowd way better than Super Crazy did because Super Crazy's athleticism works in ECW because that's all we we wanted. That's all we we actually accepted Big him spot. to do. Yeah. yeah, do the spots. The jury actually he, he he's very you know he's very gifted in the ring. I can't you can't deny that. But then when you add the elements of Muda with the mist, when you change his look and his and he looked fucking insane and crazy, he like, like I said, he could read the crowd better. That but you have to a, start somewhere, T Will. You gotta character. start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. You gotta start somewhere. So both of them show their athletic prowess. I'm, I'm gonna blow eight track brown away real quick. Um, blow it away. Blow him away. This this you know I Listen, I could give a fuck if she sinks or swims, lands on her feet or her face. I do not care. I've never been impressed with her. I probably never will be. But one thing I will give my hats off to, to Sasha Banks, is instead of dressing like she did in WWE, she dressed like the Japanese women dress over there for that appearance. She kind of looked like Sailor Moon type shit. But the, the pattern, like... She always had looks like that, where the color scheme looked like Sailor Moon or Wonder Woman or Iron Man, whatever. But her gear was more like the Japanese women's gear over there. I think she wore the geisha coat out, too, before she even... So I I like that she changed her look, like you're saying Tajiri did. He made his look more American wrestling. And Mm -hmm. I think Sasha made her look look more Japanese wrestling. So actually, people were healing on her hair justifiably but she did it to look like the japanese wrestling so it's to me that's a sign of respect um or survival you know sink or swim tajiri is probably more like okay this shit ain't cutting it i better do this and it worked right so again tw the match of course tajiri and super crazy won their let's just say warm-up matches against you know pablo marquez and like i said a jobber from triple a or mexico whatever the case may be again and you can see the crowd. We want the spots. We want the high spots, TW. So do you, even for that intimate setting like the Elks Lodge, for both Tajiri and, and of course, you know, super crazy, the motherfucker, if he wanted to, I don't remember if he did. Maybe it was on an Elks Lodge show that I wasn't at. You know that second tier level that you saw on the balcony? Mm-hmm. I, I think he might have jumped and done a tope from that. Right. So, you know. What say you about the about these wrestlers who would use like these small? I don't want to say. I guess I'll use the word armory, but you you know what I'm talking about. Those small armory buildings with the with the second balcony. It's just it's not like too high, but it's just too right just to not do one of those spots. Are you a fan of those kind of people doing those spots off of like balconies like that? I again, New Jack did his thing like jumping off. It was good the first time, but once he did it like the five hundred and forty ninth time. He took a bump from the Dudleys off of one of them things to a table mm-hmm. like he died. Yeah, I mean, when, when you do it like 500 times, it gets really repetitive and stupid. But I'm gonna then, give, you know. I'm going to give the politically correct answer. Okay. I have no problem with it in hindsight because mm-hmm. they obviously believed in themselves and they almost exclusively pulled it off. However, back in 1999, when I was trying to be one of them guys on TV, 
fucking hated it because I'm like, no, fuck that. I, you know, I've always thought about my future, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, people don't understand. Like, for example, Franco Harris. He dies a couple weeks ago at 71 years old. That dude played football in the fucking 70s. I thought he was going to be 90, right? Mm-hmm. But we fail to realize professional athletes retire in their 30s. So for him to be 71, that dude retired in his 20s because that the 70s are, are 50 years ago. Almost all of them, you know, you know, or no. And they, and they play and they play football for real and they right. hurt for real. Fucking some of them had day jobs and off season jobs selling cars oh. and shit. But yeah, that's that's my thing is and and you know. We, I talk about it all the time. You, you get sad when I do, but you know, there's a lot of guys from ECW that aren't with us no more. And, and it's basic math. It's taking those bumps and then taking the painkillers that come with them. And Luis Piccoli's gone. Fucking both pit bulls are gone. Uh, I think Saturn's partner's gone. And, mm-hmm. um, the fucking balls Mahoney and the, the Ian and Axel Rotten. I think one of them might be still around, but it's, it's dude, it's not a coincidence. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's what's crazy is the people that are still around who took those crazy bumps like Taz and Taz usually was giving people the bump. I don't know that he took them. He gave them like that. Damn. The movie did the Sabu. I looked at him like, okay, this is a kayfabe injury because he didn't look like he broke his neck. Everything about it looked, good like he landed mm-hmm. right he bent the right way um but as someone who broke his fucking neck it could have broke the bone you know hitting a piece of that wood wrong or whatever but it, mm-hmm. it, there's there's guys that are still around that that you're like wow god bless them you know but who's to say they're not gonna die in their 60s which is still too young right yeah and so for so in hindsight they knew what they were doing, and they pulled it off. Some of them probably fucking didn't pull it off perfect and hurt themselves. Um, but it to it, get up to get the pop of the night to get yeah. the pop of the night, but, you'll but feel it thirty years put left from now. On the map because that's the kind of shit they put. Like like the, the dumbest thing in all of it for me, and mm-hmm. this is one of the things that I did see in the nineties and thought, no, I want no part of that. Is when fuckers would be in the ring and they would throw eight hundred fucking chairs on top of them. My claustrophobia yeah. would kick in on top of the fact that whatever one of them fucking chairs landed on the back of your head probably didn't feel good. And then the mm-hmm. ones landing on top of that one and on top of that one probably felt worse and worse as each one. That's the shit I didn't like. But but doing the moves off the balconies, you know, it's feast or famine. And there's two, two to tango. This guy believed he could pull it off. He also trusted the guy on the floor to catch him. And usually it worked out. So, mm-hmm. you know, when, when New Jack went through that table – and then it felt like the table wasn't even there. Like, I think they did the Dudley bomb, like, over the balcony through, like, a couple tables. And he went through them so easy that it was like it never slowed down his momentum. And he just went right to that damn floor. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, he, he ran and jumped. So I'll just say that, number one. Oh. It, was never a Dudley, it was never a Dudley bomb in the ECW because that would be too dangerous. There was right. levels to this. I'll just give you that. So. Okay. So he didn't take a move? He ran and jumped? Yes, he always ran and jumped. And then he missed the guy on the table or it hit him? Unless he overshot him. That's the only time he missed. But he always hits his he always hit his mark. That motherfucker on. cut through them tables like a hot knife through butter and landed mm-hmm. on his shoulder and hips sideways on the floor. And then it laid there in the fetal position like uh yeah, like so. you know it hurt. Of of course, but like I said, super crazy, you know. He, 
this was an, a great example of making it in America, but you needed to be in the right organization. And ECW was the right place at the right time for Super Crazy and Tajiri to get over with the American crowd. And let's talk about another match. I guess you could call it a warm-up match, but I'm not trying to insult our, you know, for the Big Vito Whites and the Big Vito brand, wink, wink. But the <laughs> ECW World Television Champion, Mr. Monday Night, Mr. Pay-Per-View, Mr. Five Stars, the whole effing show, Rob Van Dam had a television title defense against Skull Von Crush. And he looks mighty familiar Reflectionites. Mighty familiar Vito Whites, if you know what I mean. Noel Legracio, Vito Legracio, Skullbound Crush got a shot at the ECW World Television Championship, TW. So let's see about the match. And, you know, we give, we give props to our guy that represents us, that, that has us on his channel, the big Vito man himself. You know, I, everybody's I, got I, a gimmick to do. I liked a lot of this match. Uh Vito took a bump that I don't know that I would have taken <laughs> the finish. The, uh, mm-hmm. Both both the finish, but the setup to the finish is the move I was actually referring to, where mm-hmm. Rob. You mean the Van Terminator where he holds the t- where Bill Alfonso holds the chair? That. Oh, okay. Move before that, mm-hmm. move before that, he pulls him from the second rope up over the top rope and he nut shots him, <laughs> but mm-hmm. by by doing a move, not like sweeping the leg and you take your own bump. He right. took it. And then when he sat there, uh, Alfonso threw the chair mm-hmm. and it hit him terrible. Like it hit him flush, hit him sideways on the head. Then he took a nice bump though. He actually, he actually through all that took a nice bump where he landed, where he's nowhere near the ropes and could get pinned. Uh, the, the shot he gave RVD. Hold on, hold on for a second. Hold, hold on for a second. I just want to say this. And then I, and then you could talk about everything in the match. When I saw this match, I thought about you because of all the the stuff you say about ECW. I said, this is why you did not want to work in ECW, because of a match like this against RVD, because what well, he, he incorporates the chairs. He incorporates, like, outside if he wants to do, like, a five-star frog splash on the table. He'll do that shit. So and everything, that you, everything that you had reservations about with ECW, I actually... I was laughing while watching this match against Skull Von Crush. I was like, this is why TW was validating. I was like, this is why I wasn't going to get booked. This is why I was not going to go to the East Coast. I was not going to do all this shit. Are these guys stupid? You better pay me enough to take a chair shot to the head repeatedly all the time. What's the ETW? Like, am I right about your reservations when you see this match? Or am I doing overdoing it? No, because, like, I'm, I'm assuming Vito wasn't, a contract guy yet like he was just having a match like he wasn't on the roster i don't know if he was no he was i i would say he was a hand i would call, I, i'm not gonna put words in Vito's mouth <laughs> i think it, i think paul Heyman does handshake deals that's his contract but right. paul Heyman, you know so it wasn't his first pen- match there no it wasn't his first match he was there in in 98 too so you know, Paul Heyman does a hand, those handshake deals. I don't know if he pays them. That's that's up to v, that's up to Vito to clarify that. But he does handshake deals, and he always books them to do a lot more stuff. So he did a lot more stuff. He did the Skull Von Crush gimmick, and then he was a baldy before he he signed that guaranteed money to WCW and went down to Atlanta. So go ahead, TW. I just wanted to give you the logistics. So I, but what you're saying, yes, the the movie took which I could have took that. 
I didn't like the chair. Um, just because it's reckless. It's not it, holding the chair and him doing the Van Daminator. That's nothing. It's cake. It's hitting the turnbuckle anyway most times, right? But mm-hmm. throwing the motherfucker in the air and then he hits it like it's a damn baseball. And it, the way it hit Vito in the head, I was like, no, that's that's how you get fucking hurt and fall the wrong way and fall to the floor instead of in the ring. But obviously right. it didn't hurt him because he took a very nice bump off the rope into the ring. Um, but I also didn't like Vito's chair shot to him, which could very well be why RVD did it the way he did it to him was a receipt. You know what I mean? Because Vito hit him right in the fucking head with the chair. Like RVD got his mm-hmm. hands up, but it was to the head like – Every match I ever had, hit a guy in the back. Without fail, I never hit a guy in the fucking face. Never hit him in the back of the head. I hit him in the back. And it's funny because I was listening to Dax uh, Harwood's podcast, and mm-hmm. they asked, the guy asked him, did they train you with chairs? And he laughed, and he's like, no. And same here. First chair I ever swung was fucking, here we go. You're just doing it by how you saw everyone else do it. And in mm-hmm. Japan, they swing the legs. Like, you're holding the, the flat part and hitting these dudes in the back with the legs, which hurts way more, right? Um, but they're also I'll stiff. I'll take your word for it. Uh, they're I'll... also stiff in Japan, but uh, mm-hmm. not the kind you like in your DMs. Like, stiff, like it hurts. It probably hurt the first few times for you. But anyways, uh, mm-hmm. but the match, how it started, I liked it. It was an old school WCW Saturday night circle around. Vito's reaching for the hands, and then they go into little spots and stuff and I, it was a nice little match and he had a manager the manager kind of seemed like a fish out of water uh he uh lance right i don't know he might have like did some things in wwf during that time so it was like a back and forth thing but he usually was on no no like he did behind the scenes stuff for wwf uh, and then he comes down to ecw and does some television work so yeah he was a he was a non-factor but he was trying to make noise as a manager again this was a warm-up match, no disrespect to Vito, but it is the truth because Rob Van Dam had bigger and better things. He was working towards Masato Tanaka, another Japanese star coming in who was already undefeated in ECW and was garnered the number one contender, and he was supposed to get the, the TV title shot at the Guiltiest Charge pay-per-view. So you knew this was a warm-up match, TW, if you will. And, of course, Skull Von crushed Big Vito. You know, they, they always book it like, you know, he didn't look I like a jobber. FBI was that not? Was he wasn't he? in the FBI. He was he was a baldy. But and then in WCW he was a Mama Luke. Mama Luke, that's what it yes. was. With the dude that snapped his leg in half on with Eddie Guerrero on that monkey flip. And then in WCW he was a natural born thriller. Bull, so Eddie the Bull, not Eddie the Bull, something the Bull, Johnny the Bull. Johnny the Bull, yes. Fucking snapped was, his right in half on live TV. It was gross. Yeah. And he, like I said, he was a Mama Luke in WCW. So, again, he took the money when he needed, you know, when WCW offers you guaranteed money. I want to say like he video. was in the magazines for, for indies. He was in the magazines, not just for ECW, but for doing, you know, the rounds. Um, yeah, I think I think he did USWA, too. So, I, I saw him. I don't know if it was a skull. I just Crush. thought it was weird that someone would use the name Crush in ECW because it was already a crush in WWF. You know, like... Even though it's called Von Crush, you know, it's mm-hmm. just it just seemed odd that that name would be used. But what else are you gonna use? Von Smash? That's also used. Von X? Von mm-hmm. Eric? <laughs> well, you know, Von when we we heard the name Skull Von Crush, 
we thought it was some kind of German invader coming in. Right. I'm sure right. he like, got that name because someone told him he looked like Baron Von Rasky. It's inevitable that that's how that started. Uh, you know who Jacob something is? Yeah, I know Jacob something. Okay, so I handpicked him. One of his first matches was against me. It was his first or second match. He looked just like Irish Mickey Doyle, but he also looked like a Von Eric to me. So I kept calling him Von Eric. So guess what his name was that night when he wrestled me? Jacob Von Eric. And he wrestled me the next month. His partner team that he teamed with, they were called the Painkillers. He he wrestled. I wrestled him, and then the next month I wrestled a different guy. But for the first few months that he was wrestling, he was called Jacob Von Eric. And, you know, he probably hated it, but that's yeah. how it worked, man. You show up, and you don't have your own gimmick. I remember when he told all of us he was calling himself Jake something. And everyone was like, what the fuck does that mean? And he's like, it's not, it can mean anything you want. Like, And people were trying to talk him out of it. And next you know, he's Jake. So I, I used to tell more about him all the time. And then he ended up being like Cousin Jake or something with uh, Cody Diener. But they got rid of the Jake something. But then he ended up being Jake something there. So, mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's a hard sell, that name. Well, it's a hard sell, but I guess he's trying to make it work in Impact Wrestling. So to close the show for East, you know, the build up towards ECW's Guilty as Charged pay-per-view, they close with a, uh, I was about to say a porn segment, a promo segment with Lance Storm porn? with, no, no, I'm like I said, I, I had a tongue twister. I was thinking about something. <laughs> but anyway, Lance Storm accompanied by Dawn Marie, but of course her name was not Dawn Marie here, it was Tammy Lynn Bitch. B-Y-T-C-H, because they were having issues between between uh, themselves, between Storm and Chris Candido and Tammy Lynn Sitch. So I'm just giving you the logistics, T.W., that that's why her name was Tammy Lynn Bitch, B-Y-T-C-H. You know, she was going after Sonny, a.k.a. Tammy Lynn Sitch, but neither here nor there. There was a quandary here with Lance Storm. He was supposed to have a triple threat match at Guilty as Charged pay-per-view between himself Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. Jerry Lynn was kayfabing injuries too, but of course he had some nagging shoulder and back injuries, so there was kind of truth to that. But the funny thing was about Mikey Whipwreck. Now, I don't know if you know about this time. Mikey Whipwreck said, yo, I was taking too much bumps and I ain't getting paid shit. The checks weren't clearing for him. He was one of the first victims of Paul Heyman not giving, you know, not clearing the checks. Right. So conveniently, T.W., WCW, I, I don't know if it was Eric Bischoff, but WCW called, offer him $150,000 or $200,000 guaranteed. You do the math, TW. You're taking the guaranteed money. You're not taking Yeah, I'm not going to get mad. You know, I would be, I was mad when I'm the ECW cultist. Why are you leaving us? Because he had the gimmick. He was the former champion. But again, as I got older, I understood the business. You got a family, TW, so I wouldn't blame it. But Paul Heyman is a vindictive son of a bitch. He left. He took the he took the deal, but he didn't leave. He had to finish his dates. Paul Heyman didn't. You know how you do the honors? Paul Heyman, I don't know how it is. There must be something different between doing the honors. I guess it depends on the organization and it depends on how you want to, like, take them out of your organization. But Paul Heyman, like, ripped them to shreds. Before he finally got out. And then by the time he got to WCW, I remember Mikey Whitbread was really nothing. He had maybe one match on Nitro and maybe Saturday night, maybe one against a jobber. But I think he, he had a match, he had like a tag match, and mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. 
I mean, he was so embarrassed on the ECW side that by the time he went to WCW, it was almost like damaged goods. So I felt sorry for Mikey. So what what say you about, you know, I know you didn't see see it. I'm trying to tell you this, but, you know, doing the, you know, there is a code to do the honors. And then if you're going to go to another territory, you do the honors. But is there any code even on the person like to to do that? You know, what I mean, like from the promoter standpoint, is there a code on that or you could do what the hell you want? Because I don't I don't it's, need it, you. Anymore. It's obviously there's code because fucking Paulie's the only one that ever did this because. They could have done it to Razor Ramon. They could have done it to Diesel, and they didn't. What they do is when you give your notice, they keep you off TV for 90 days because they want you to be forgotten about so that by Mm -hmm. the time you go to the WCW, you have no momentum. Um, And if you recall, Scott Hall wrestled like one match. It was like at WrestleMania, and he lost. I can't remember who he lost. It wasn't WrestleMania. It was in your house, and it was against Vader, and he lost to Vader. Yeah, it was Razor Ramon's But staff. he lost. But again, you it wasn't like embarrassing, but you knew right. he was going to lose. Right. But I, like I said, I think Paul Heyman took it to the quote unquote extreme. So I was like, it was a more he, embarrassing. He, he, he burned a bridge. And that's the mm-hmm. whole deal is the way Vince did it. He didn't burn the bridge. Like, all right, you're gone, but we're not going to fucking put you on TV. You know, we're mm-hmm. going to job you out for That's what it usually was. You put in your notice, which used to you have to give them 90 days. You know, except mm-hmm. for like Luger. Um, but he was working without a contract, so that's on them. Rick Rude was working without a contract. That's on you. And if you're going to do shit to piss people off, expect them to be like, fuck you. You know, Rude left because of Brett. You know what they did right. to Brett. So um, anyhow, they would, they would, you would put your 30 in or 90. They would job you out for 30 mm-hmm. so that you had no momentum once you disappeared. Then when you disappeared, it would be another 60 days before – you would be on WCW and people are like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that guy, right? But the moon, the sun, and the stars lined up for Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, and we all know how that played out. But remember when Hercules used to be on WCW as the super invader? Right. It's because his, he, he fucking had no compete. So he, he couldn't be on TV recognizable as Hercules. That's why there was no fucking eye holes in that mask. There was no mouth hole. Like, it like he was wearing a bank robber fucking pantyhose mask. You know, it covered mm-hmm. everything, which had to suck, right? Right. And I don't even think he was there long. Uh, you know, he was probably, probably, less, not. probably less than a year, and then he was back in WWF. I think the Power and Glory shit was after that. But uh, no, that, was, that was before that. He left well, after after. Power Glory was first. Then he went to WCW, became the Super Invader, and then he went to Indies and shit like that. But no, no. I, again, I just wanted to to give credence to like Mikey Ripwork was embarrassed. I, I want to something out Was that okay? Go ahead. No, no. Finish up the Mikey Whipwreck. No, no. And then Mikey Whipwreck went to WCW, and then he had no mo- he had no momentum going into a new organization. So I felt right. sorry for him. And probably he was working without a contract. It was again a handshake deal. And like you said, you know. If there is no legitimate contract, I don't feel sorry for Mikey Whitwreck doing what he did. He got a contract somewhere else. But Paul Heyman is a vindictive son of a bitch. So Back, with the- They would sign guys just so Vince couldn't. So mm-hmm. they might not have had any plans for Mikey anyway. And Paulie doing what he did gave him the excuse to not, right? Right. Um, right before WCW went under, one of my best friends in wrestling, he was my travel mate and everything, Larry Destiny was about to get signed by one of them, so the other mm-hmm. one couldn't. And then WCW went out of business and sold out, and then Larry got screwed. He was one of the guys 
AJ Styles, he was with WCW. He didn't get carried over to the WWE. Got an action figure coming out this week. Says Nitro mm-hmm. on his shirt. But we all know it's AJ Styles from Impact Wrestling that they're really putting out there on the shelves. But mm-hmm. it, it, they made it a WCW AJ Styles. But anyways, um, so back then, you know, it we'll never know. You know, did Mikey get jobbed out or not used because of how his last few days in ECW were? Or again, was it just somebody? Remember... Uh, one of your ECW guys, Devin Storm, then they made him Crowbar. Yeah, what about him? Didn't do shit with that guy. He was a much bigger deal in ECW than he was in WWF, yeah. I mean, WCW, but they did that so that Vince couldn't sign guys. And mm-hmm. I would say, in the end, Vince always got the better of the guys anyway. You know, he got Rhino, he got Taz, he got, you know, the and guys, Tabu, RVD. RVD did jobs on. I remember RVD, I remember. As a kid, seeing RVD in the ring is Rob uh, Van Dam, and from Battle Creek, Michigan, and that made me like him automatically. But he well, he was he was Robbie V or Robbie Rob D. V. But he always yeah. did jobs. He he didn't mm-hmm. win, and then all of a sudden. But I think RVD. I was thinking about this. We 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 never did the Untapped Potential show. We talked about doing, and I still think it's Xavier Woods. But RVD is somebody I think like obviously like Scott Hall. He gets in his own way, but mm-hmm. he is. He's had like a low key Hall of Fame career. You know what I mean? Like, other than you, like in your mind, he's fucking. Well, again, the match he had with Skull Von Crush, we'll go back in, in the segment. He's a, He has the pa- fans in the palm of his hand. He's already. He should have. He's already the TV champion. He's already a tag team champion. And he's about to celebrate a year's run as the TV champion. So he's already. Everybody, every, everybody in ECW knows. He's on to the next level. Right. And, again, like I will say this, and a lot of ECW fans agree, he made that television champion. He elevated the te- championship. L- like everybody says, the title doesn't make the man. The man makes the title. Rob Van Dam is a great example of making a title mean more and making it more prestigious. Now, going flip side with the Lance Storm thing, we already talked about Mikey Whitbrook to death. But again, he had a problem. He needed some competition. It was an open challenge. And then who comes out, Reflectionites? Everybody's favorite little runt. The run of the Dudleys. Little Spike Dudley catches Lance Storm off guard. And he, you know, it was an unofficial match. The referee just hated Lance Storm. And I'll just say this, TW. You know, Lance Storm, hell of a talent in the ring. But the promos. And I'm going to be honest, TW. I'm the most objective man, and even though I'm an ECW cultist myself, his be- his better promos were in WCW because he kept he started with if I could be serious mo- for a moment. I know he's very mundane, he's very robotic, but it just worked in WCW. It didn't work in ECW. That's why he needed the eye candy of Dom Marie on his side, he, or maybe he had he had like the origins of if I could be serious for a moment. Because he mm-hmm. said, when you people are done, I've got something to say. That's right. that's the origin of if I can be serious for a moment. I think he, he will tell you he did it on purpose. Like, that was his shtick. Was, mm-hmm. no. Because, yeah, I guess in the long run, by sticking to it, you know, he it's his shtick. But I, I just think he wasn't that good at it, right? And mm-hmm. generally, I think we would all agree he's the Marty Jannetty of the uh, – the upstart players, or whatever the hell they're called, the uh, impact players. Give, give, give some respect. It's the impact players. The thrill seekers. 
No, 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 I'm talking about in ECW, him and Justin no. Credible were the impact players. The, the thrill seekers with him, him and Chris Jericho. And J- Chris Jericho mm-hmm. did Smoky Mountain before yeah. they did ECW. And I think it's safe to say Lance is the Marty Jannetty of. I'm the- not disputing that. I'm not. I'm not disputing. And, so, um, and it's because, and, and, and I found this out, it's the same thing with Rico. I did all the talking, so Rico felt like he didn't need to. And then when he got a mic shoved in his face, he couldn't because mm-hmm. he never did, right? And and so I figured that out the hard way because when I was, you know, after being with Rico, when I would be with Jeff and Pilon or Jeff and Petey Williams or whoever we were out there with, Jeff would talk, Chris would talk, and then I didn't want to talk. I'm like, dude, all, they don't need all three of us talking. And then what would happen? We'd go out and someone shove a mic in my face, and I got so rusty at talking because I let those guys do all the talking that I couldn't do it. And I was like, mm-hmm. so then I was like, fuck it. From that point on, I grabbed the mic first and let them two figure out if we're going to all three talk or if one of them would take the night off from talking. But the whole point of a manager is to let the manager talk, and they don't let both – like, remember Jimmy Hart would do the talking, then Brett would have one line, Nightheart would have one line. That's it. Mm-hmm. With, with, with Jericho and Lance – Jericho did all the talking. Lance didn't need to. Therefore, it took him a longer time. So maybe by the time he's in WCW, he's better at it because now he's had no choice but to do it because he wasn't with uh, Jericho anymore. Right. I'm not saying I'm I'm saying it was better in WCW than ECW, but that doesn't mean it was it's he was he was great at talking either. No, it no, was no. just robotic. It, it had a reaction. No reaction. Again, you know, his stuff is in the ring. His stuff is his athletic prowess. His, you know, his technical prowess, being like Bret Hart, being, you know, a, a better technical wrestler than Bret Hart was. You know, he was the '90s. He was, the, no, he was the Millennium Bret Hart. If, <laughs> if he was taking, you know, if he if he was able to talk, because Bret Hart was able to talk after he got comfortable. So you know, it takes time. So TW, you know, put a bow on that. You know, the difficulties of talking. You you just said it yourself. You had. You was rusty. So, you know, what What say you with what Lance Storm might be going through? Is there like a like a shyness or maybe he's stuttering for worse? He's trying to get something out. You know, again, ECW, it's more ad-libbing. It's more like knowing it off the dome. It's not like Vince McMahon saying, here's your script. Do this, 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 and this. You know, some people or bullet points like Dusty Rose did in the NWA days. What say you? That's why one of the greatest shows of all times, Curb Your Enthusiasm, is so great. Is you have a bunch of dudes that can riff and ad lib. There's no script. There's an outline. Look, you say this, you say this, you say this, you say this. Everything else, however we get there, we get there. Just these are the setups, and then they do it. And so I'm gonna guess, especially because. Jerry Lynn had problems. Mikey left. Uh, Spike was coming back. Who knows? They might have found out that night that Spike was coming back, right? So he probably got sent out there cold where none of this shit was on his plate on the way to the building, and then he found it all out there, so he didn't Mm -hmm. practice it. But I've driven three miles, or three miles, three hours to a show where I knew who I was wrestling. I knew what the match was. I knew the stakes and i would just cut promos in the mirror the whole ride down right and then you okay. get there oh no, that guy didn't make it you're wrestling a different guy so then you're like you motherfucker so but just remember what you were going to say about the other guy and say it about him instead like you you get better at it where you can mm-hmm. just you can you can change on the fly and um it you know it's it's just like people that call it in the ring versus people that call it in the back 
first of all, people that tell you they call it all in the ring are full of shit. Um, there's very few of those because you mm-hmm. at least have to have in the back a certain knowledge of your opponent's move set, right? right? So you'll say, hey, kid, like, again, I'm a name drop. When I wrestled Marty Jannetty, we didn't call anything, but he asked me what I did. So when we're in the ring, he'd say, leapfrog, or ho- like, because he asked me, what all can you do? I can do a leapfrog. I can do a sunset flip. Do a hip toss. I can take a hip toss. I do stuff off the, all right. So just let me know out there. And one of us would say one word, hip toss, you know, and then mm-hmm. you knew when you came out the rope, when his arm was there, that's what you were doing. So that's another thing that comes in time where you can change gears, where one of the best matches I ever had was against Kid Copperpot and Livonia. The crowd, I was a baby face, which I fucking hated, but the crowd hated his valet so much, it made it easy for me to be a baby face. They didn't even give a fuck about me as much as they hated her. So when I made Mm -hmm. fun of her, they loved every word coming out of my mouth. And I would look up at him when he was taking heat and say, hey, man, pause for a second, walk around, insult some people, then come back and hit me. We didn't call that in the back. But I told him to do it in there because you heard it, right? And right. so Lance Storm coming out there probably has no fucking clue what he's going to say. He knows what he's going to talk about, just has no idea how. But he at least read the crowd who was, fuck Lance Storm, whatever they were chanting. And then No, show, show your tits to Don Marie. That's what oh, they I were. thought they were saying, fuck Lance Storm. So no. when he started talking, he went, hey, when you guys are done, I got something to say. And that gave him a couple more minutes or seconds to think of something to say. And then Mm -hmm. when he started talking, I didn't, you know, I thought you were going to explain what he meant when he said, it's not my fault. You didn't know to sign your contract or whatever. I didn't know if he was saying he got burned by WCW because he ended up not getting the contract because he didn't sign it and Paul fucking ruined them. And then I, again, I, I don't know the Mikey Whitbreck story. That's why it was, it was doomed to fail either way. He, right. he left on bad terms to ECW and then going there, he had no momentum, no momentum in WCW. But then the funny thing is he came back to ECW and then galvanized his career at the end when it was bankrupt. So right. either way. So with that being said, TW, let's put a bow on this for TW purposes Again, this was 45, maybe 50 minutes. What what did you get from the ambiance? Again, you don't – when I give you an ECW show, sometimes you like it. Sometimes you have some some questions. So what say you about a 1999 ECW show that was, you know, the 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 springboard to the pay-per-view guilty as charge? It, it made me long for NXT black and gold because this is <laughs> – this, this episode was perfect. And that it started off recapping Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer's stuff in 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 uh, uh, fucking Aldo Montoya. Uh, just P- incredible. PJ, yeah, 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 just incredible. It, it introduced that that relationship. Uh, then um, you had this, the Taz promo and stuff. Then you had two matches, which all that does is leave you wanting for more. And as someone who watched it every week. You're probably like me when you're watching a pay-per-view going, look, motherfucker, I don't need this recap. You show it to me on every Raw on SmackDown. I don't need the recap. I'm already here because of the shit that that led me to order this, right? So, but looking back at it now, I needed that because I didn't know shit about the background story. So, Mm -hmm. for time capsule purposes, it's perfect. And so, this ended up being about 47 minutes on the network, um, and it, it left you wanting more. And... When I fell asleep, I woke up to episode two, and then I had to rewind back halfway to episode one and rewatch that. But that's when mm-hmm. I actually—that's when I saw the Dudleys 
do the power bomb to to New Jack was on the second episode because it kept playing after I fell asleep. Um, mm-hmm. And again, no fault to them. When I'm laying down in the bed watching TV, it might as well be me fucking doing shots of NyQuil. It's over. That's why I try to put my pillows to keep me like almost like in a recliner. But anyhow, mm-hmm. I liked it. it. It's the formula you need. I, I personally feel the first drop from momentum for NXT black and gold was when it went to two hours uh, because now everyone's on every week. You're never left wanting for more. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second downfall was the complete revamping where everyone's new s- save one or two people like Indy or Austin theory who, who are still there but the people they were with are gone. So they're the veterans now. And then you add all these new characters. So now a year and a half into NXT 2.0, people are familiar to me. I actually like it again because now I'm invested in those people. Whereas I wasn't when it first came out and with this ECW show, everyone they put on TV with the exception of the peacemaker guy with the chips and, and uh, the job guy for Tajiri, Mm-hmm. You care about everybody. It's every like I, I miss job matches, man. I, I don't mind competitive job matches. Well, I, mean, I, I don't I wouldn't call those job matches, but enhancement. I like the word right, enhancement right. better. But they're still doing a job. The the term okay. doing a job is not derogatory. I, You're putting a guy over. Your job is to get Tajiri over, and the guy did his job. It's depending squash, on the fans squash, thinking what you're thinking. You're mixing uh, yeah, up squash the, job, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. But, like, I was a huge Brad Armstrong fan. I was a huge Tim Horner fan. I didn't put them two together on purpose. Tim Horner would do jobs in WWF. Brad Armstrong would do jobs in uh, WCW Saturday Night, and they ended up becoming White Lightning. That's That was just a coincidence that I brought those two up. But I loved Jim Powers. I loved Paul Roma. I, I hated Iron Mike Sharp. I hated Steve Lombardi, not knowing they never were going to win. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Every week I thought they had a shot. Because they but weren't, they're ve- but they're very valuable to yes. the core of yes. professional wrestling. Reflection Nights because they have a purpose yes. and they have, you know, they have some meaning. Whether you like it or not, fans, they are valuable. That's the term, TW. They're valuable to the product of professional wrestling. With that being said, we close on there this episodic. Go. On this episodic episode of ECW from the Madhouse of Extreme, the Elks Lodge in Queens, New York City from January of 1999. So I don't know what we're going to do next week, TW. We might do another episodic. We might do the movies. We might do rivalries. Might do a what if. But I'll keep you on your toes, TW. I'll keep you on your toes. And with that being said, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here officially. Uh, one second. Uh, I got to look up the damn thing, and I'm not doing the first one, right? No, just like just like normal. I'm just gonna have to delete that one. <laughs> I'm holding out hope for him. All right. So, Hami Media Group at Podbean.com, or if you get your fix, you can go HMG at ChannelAttitude.com. Just do both. Just do them both. And then mm-hmm. our Twitter is at PW Reflection. Um. Uh, the two missing in action people are JB. I'm going to put his and, and Travis's Twitter. Travis listened to our show, by the way, and said to me this week, I can't believe you put my Twitter on there. So Travis is at nuts he, and bolts. P. He always um, does. T- Travis, he always P1 does. JB. 
uh, is JB. Uh, hit them guys up on Twitter. Tell them to come back to the show at least for one night only. ECW reference. Um, Big yeah. Ray, come on. We can't do any of this without him. Uh, I told him yesterday, someday, some way, somehow, I'm going to join him on his Wednesday morning show when everybody who's normal has a fucking job, except for you, Ray. You work nights. But uh, one day I'm going to do it, whether I'm on vacation or whatever it is that I'm doing. I'll be off on a Wednesday. I'll give you an hour of my time, um, especially if I got a flight somewhere or whatever. So at Big Ray Hernandez is all of his handles at Twitter, at Instagram, at TikTok, at Snapchat, at Grinder, all of them at Big mm-hmm. Ray Hernandez. Um, if you do message him on Grinder, it's probably going to be buried in all the messages the professors already sent him that he's not responding to. But then you have me at Tommy Wonder 19 is Instagram and Twitter. Snapchat is number wonder. Also, Twitter and TikTok are at the Tommy Wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. And then, of course, Big Vito, um, Big Vito brand at Wixite or no dot Wixite.com and Patreon.com backslash. The big Vito brand for Vito and Noel. Uh, hit them up on there. Or Skull Von Crush at Wixsite.com. Crush. <laughs> oh no, no. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna divert uh, the reflection ice on Skull Von Crush. That's my own uh, link. I should I should ha- you know pay you know get some money out of that. But you know, shout outs to Big Vito, aka Skull Von Crush. You did your thing in ECW. And you've always done your thing. You know, WWE, WCW, you did your thing. So with that being said, and I'm not trying to ask his reflection as I'm just giving the obvious <laughs> again, people are valuable in professional wrestling, wherever they are on the card. But with that being said, you can find me on my Twitter at PWSPROF. That's PWSPROF. And if this gets uploaded by a track round, this will be available on the YouTubes at the PWS networks. Follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi Wan. You know me. And of course the King of the reactions, a track Brown at the number eight. T-R-A-C Brown. Again, what are we going to do next week? I don't know. Episodic rivalries. Movies. What is You're not going to. You know what? Last week, I didn't remember to say something about an episode last week. And this week, I almost did, too. And I tried getting it in earlier. This is why I cut you off all the time. It's not your fault. Okay. But we just mm-hmm. forget. We get on our tangents, mm-hmm. and I forget. Two things. One, uh, you started saying, you started talking about the spots in the Warrior Savage match last week. And I thought. For certain, you were going to bring up the one that I wanted to bring it up. I'm like, sweet, he's going to do it. And then you didn't, and then I forgot to bring it up. But I'm telling you, right here, right now, first of all, if you're listening to this show and you've never, ever watched Warrior vs. Savage at WrestleMania 7, Mm -hmm. shame on you, first of all. Uh, Because if I've talked about that match once, I've talked about it a hundred times in the six years. Second of all, this spot especially storytelling the whole you know the warrior walking to the ring this spot is also it's it's such a good spot i've never is seen it, it done before since i didn't remember it until seeing it again last week you have to know P- what it is. is this the is this the pwr extra now you're putting me on the spot I, i'm trying now, man, to, i was trying to is this spot is so damn good i thought you were bringing it up but you brought up the five elbows and the five shoulder tackles you didn't bring mm-hmm. this up it's very early in the match Macho Man tries hitting a high cross body on the Warrior. Warrior catches him, just dead stop. Mm-hmm. Sets him on the ground, looks at him, and smacks him across the face. And you're just like... Yeah, he, he put him down. He was going to slam him, and then he put him down, and then slap him. And then slap him, him across the face. Like, this is about respect. Like, it fit the match. Like, you almost couldn't do it anywhere else without punking somebody. But it didn't right. punk him. It made mm-hmm. Macho Man embarrassed and mad, and he got salty about it. 
but it was such a good spot. I'm sure Pat Patterson or someone gave it to him, but it mm-hmm. was such an awesome spot that I was so mad that I didn't bring it up last week because, again, I thought you were going to because it was so good. And I mean, just dead stuff. We, we had a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, but again, this is this is the PWR Extra. We got another show, the PWR Extra, if we forget something. I, this is for Travis. So this we'll find out if he listens again. You've complained about it. JB's complained about it. Ray complains about everything, so he probably has too. And Travis, this is his number one complaint about the network and about Peacock specifically, is the music being overdubbed, right? Yeah. That's why I don't work. Has came out to the ring to talk to Shane with War Machine by Kiss playing. However, it was not Kiss. It was, it was like it was a generic, but it was War Machine, like almost like a karaoke version without mm-hmm. words. And yeah. I just thought, wow, that did they dub that in, or was that what he used back then? And no, then then later, after Spike showed up, he came out to I think Back in Black. By ACDC, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't Black and Black because that's Eric Bischoff. Um, anyway, no Highway when, to Highway. He Highway to Hell. Highway, highway to Hell. So he came out to just a guitar version of Highway to Hell, and mm-hmm. then that's when I thought this has to be overdubbed because Joey Styles then cut from the ring to promo and, and it was still playing, which means it had to play over the real Highway to Hell. Because I remember ECW, dude, they used real music all the time. They probably were like, fuck it, we can sue, we can sue, we can't pay. That's why I gave you a link to the original uh, taping, because that's no, how I watched it. Me Peacock. No, no, I gave you Peacock because that's where I knew where it was. But right. there was a link I showed you on the, our messenger, but they, neither here nor there. But oh, that was the I original see. network showing. That was the MSG network where you saw God. the good shit. But neither here nor there. I'm but saying, if they did that from henceforth because mm-hmm. like some of them are horrible like midnight express but mm-hmm. if they just overdub it with some guy playing a guitar that's mm-hmm. that's hey as long as he yeah. changes one note every eight fucking notes it mm-hmm. you can't get sued and i thought that was a nice job by that and i thought man did ecw just use the generic version or did the wwe overdub this and i'm like they, they over they overdub it it wasn't too loud it didn't drown out the vocals when people were talking and so i wanted to talk about that because travis like i said he he gets hot talking about the music because you know i bet you the steiner brothers they probably it's not about being it's not about being hot about the music and we're gonna put a bow on this because we're growing overtime this is the pwr overtime but it just takes away from the original broadcasting. It takes away from the original feeling right. of the show. There's a muffled sound to it. It's yeah, a muffled it's, sound. Sure. Yeah, it is what yep. it is. So with that being said, thank you for watching this PWR episodic episode of the ECW show from January of 1999. With that being said, we'll see you next week. I'm the professor. That's the doctor of thugonomics. Not John Cena, but the doctor of dumb dumb doing idiots. Oh, Mr. Wonderful, Dr. Freakenstein himself, the Tommy Wonder saying good night, and we'll see you next week here on the PWR Podcast at the PWS Networks at podbeam.com. Peace! Goodbye and good night. Cool. <laughs>